Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com. Oh, yeah. The Great Big Sea stuff was anthemic, sing-along. Mostly, we were Canada's favorite party band. We literally sang about drinking. We made no bones about it. And we made a great living at that. It was a hard job to leave for that purpose, but I had no choice. I was done. The Help Yourself was me using music to get into the reasons why. Like I said, people drink and use drugs for reasons. That was me using music to self-analyze and to vocalize a truth that was just really too hard for me to say. And like I told my mom what happened to me in the song, Hold Me Mother. So this was a different Sean McCann that evolved out of Great Big Sea that people probably didn't expect, but it did resonate with a lot of people. And it was a refreshing, almost slap in the face to some people. Like it was just, wow, this guy is spilling his guts here. Like he's opened his heart for us. I'm Peter McCulley. Sean McCann is the Shantyman, one of the founding members of Great Big Sea, the Newfoundland folk rock band that toured the world for 20 years. Thanks for making time for us today, Sean. Always happy to make time for people in British Columbia. You were born in Carboneer, Newfoundland, and grew up in St. John's, fell in with a bunch of characters, musicians, some rowdy guys that went on to be known as Great Big C. The band had 11 gold albums during its run. What do you think made the band so successful? We were very determined. We weren't the best musicians in Newfoundland or St. John's, but we were the most determined there were better players than us and better singers and better songwriters, but we really wanted to do it. We started off at the beginning of the Cod Moratorium, literally at 1992. We probably wouldn't have considered music as a viable business. It was such an extremely risky thing to do, but our options were so few that it became more palatable. So we literally gave ourselves two years to get a record deal and we worked like dogs. Like I, I can honestly say we were successful because our work ethic was insane. That's where I ran across the band was you had your first record contract and were introduced in Sydney, Cape Breton at the East Coast Music Awards. And I was in the room at that time and it was pretty exciting. Yeah, that was back in the day when record companies actually sold records and they didn't give them away to Daniel Eck on Spotify, <laughs> the expense of their artists. But no, it was a big deal. And we were signed by Warner Canada and everyone passed on our band, but we managed to sell 10,000 records on our own. So at that point, they, they realized whatever it is about this band, and they might as well, it's a good investment because they're obviously going to sell a lot of records. And we did. So if we could sell 10,000, they should have been able to sell 100,000, which is what we did. We have multiple platinum records. which We sold just over 2 million back wow. in the day, CDs and cassettes. Remember those? They were fun. Did you grow up in a musical household, Sean? No, my dad is a raconteur. He loves recitations and he's an entertaining man. Like he's always got a story. He's got the Blarney, as we say. My mom plays piano, but she never really played very much. There was always one in the house. But I was a failure. I was actually kicked out of band. I never learned any theory or anything. In grade eight, I was kicked out of the high school band for having no aptitude. <laughs> I can't explain. There's no real reason <laughs> why I should have persevered. I wasn't very good. You went on to play three different, at least three different instruments in the Great Big Sea Band. And I was always amazed at the full range of instruments that the members of the band brought to the stage. I think it's because none of us are trained. And we, I think training can be, it's great if you get into theory and stuff, but it tells you what the rules are. So having not been made aware of what the limitations on us would be, we had no fear in trying anything ever. 
I can honestly say I can sit down on any instrument and, and fearlessly find out how to play three chords. If you can do that, then you can, can sing a song. So it's never something that I've given second thought about. And to be fair, like none of us were great players. We were just able to do whatever it took to serve the song. If the song needed an accordion part, then we'd learn it. If it needed this or that, we'd just go get it and buy it or rent it and figure it out. To us, it was just another couple hours work. So there was no limit to what we wouldn't try. Water is always a reoccurring theme in many of the songs, which is not surprising given where you were and, of course, uh, the origins of the tunes, which were a lot of them Ireland and Scotland and Newfoundland. Yeah, there's a great song, Thank God We're Surrounded by Water. Phyllis Morrissey, who was a singer in St. John's back in the day, we owe a debt to our island status because I think it's because the island is so isolated and we were certainly before the internet and email and stuff, we just were on our own out there. I think the reason there's so many good entertainers from Newfoundland or St. John's, from comedians to musicians to actors, is because we were bored. We had to entertain ourselves. And that became a pastime. And I think in fairness to Great Big C, we coined the term kitchen party and sold it to much music back in the day. And it took off. But those things really happened. And when you went to these parties, we're in the kitchen because that's where the food was and that's where the fridge was. That's where the guitar player was, too, or the accordion player. And everyone who came was expected to give one show, one piece. So everyone had their showpiece. And that's rare. I don't think that's normal in every culture to be expected to perform when you go out and then carry it around in your back pocket like a wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, these days you live in Ottawa. I have friends who live in Ottawa, a couple of them former members of parliament, and they all tell me the same thing, that nobody's from Ottawa. No. Uh, And we moved up there seven years ago now. It's hard to believe. Wow. And Ottawa was always our biggest market. So I knew Ottawa really well and liked Ottawa. And it just seemed like a safer place for a guy like me. It is not that politicians are sober at all, but they can't touch the Newfoundlanders for that. So I got out of St. John's, thought it was a healthy move. It also was a place where I could uh, access more work fairly easily in Ontario where all the people are. But I had a safe landing because, like you said, no one is really from Ottawa. Everyone's from somewhere else. And so we're all in the same boat kind of thing, literally in Ottawa. So it was easy to integrate fairly quickly. And my kids at the time were younger. They were grade four and six at the time. Newfoundlanders are known for their generosity and being very friendly and rightly so, but they don't have the monopoly. There's people in Ottawa are friendly. There are people in Canada are friendly people, friendlier than most places I've been. I feel like having traveled a lot, I can speak with some experience and I'm proud to be a Canadian because we do get along much better and treat each other much better than a lot of countries I've been in. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, You've traveled the world with Great Big C. Any particular memorable moments or places or experiences you've had you'd like to share? Oh, there's so many. We did a lot of cool stuff and we did a lot of stupid stuff too, but we did a lot of, <laughs> we did a lot of, we did a lot of lot. That's what we did. But one of the weird things we did, I was in Red Deer, Alberta, talking to kids and stuff. And a kid had just immigrated here from Ukraine, but his mom is Polish. And he said, have you ever been to Poland? I said, actually we were. And we literally went to Poland. We got invited to do a shanty festival in Krakow back in 1996. And it seemed weird to me because Poland has got one access to the sea, I think, but it's pretty much a landlocked country. And at the time, it had just been released from Soviet rule. Jaruzelski was in, in the castle there at the time, and they just found their freedom from the Soviet Union. I had to ask, like, you're not sailors in Poland. You're not. That's not your culture. You don't have this big access to the sea. So why the shanty fest? And they had this beautiful festival, and they had a very romanticized version of these songs and all these shanty bands were really good. 
in Polish. And I said, so what is it? Why is this such a big thing here? And they said, we kept learning these sea songs and we kept learning how to sail boats, even though we didn't have access to the sea, because we knew one day we would be free and we would need to know how to do this. And that was amazing to me. Like they were so determined <laughs> to do this. You would think it'd be insignificant, but it was right. And they were ready when they got their harbor back. So that was pretty cool, for sure.
Sean McCann sings from the Great Big Sea songbook. What can folks expect when they go to one of those concerts, Sean? Are you with a band or is it a solo act? Oh, God, no. I'm tired of bands. Who can afford to feed a band now? No one's selling millions of records anymore. It's all streams and you don't get paid anything. Bands make dozens of dollars now. What I've been doing is the audience, whether they know it or not, they are the band. Everyone is expected to sing. And uh, even if you can't sing very well, it doesn't matter because if everyone sings, uh, it's always harmony. It always ends up being some kind of harmony. Between every two numbers, there's an infinite number of rational numbers, irrational numbers. And between every two notes, there's an infinite number of irrational notes. So they all count. With these shows in particular, I'm going to sing all the hits, all the folk songs, all the stuff we did. I think after the pandemic, everyone just wants to be comfortable in a room and sing the stuff that they know and remember those good times. And so I'm confident that my band will be there for me every night. So I hope I can go out with this tour and really melt some hearts and get people out and send some fears into the seas of no cares. When Today in BC continues, Sean McCann talks about the album, Help Yourself, and the book about recovery he co-authored with his wife, Andrea. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green. Offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. Today in BC is a Black Press Media podcast. I'm Peter McCulley. Sean, would it be fair to say that you can find Newfoundlanders and Maritimers in general wherever you travel, but it's probably more likely that they find you? I'm seventh-generation shantyman from Ireland, So we fled Ireland from the famine and persecution from the British. And so they left there, came to Newfoundland, but they never stopped leaving. Newfoundlanders are like nomads or gypsies. They go where they have to go. They go where the work is. Well, it's a great trick to live in Newfoundland because there's not a big population. It's not easy to make a living in Newfoundland and be able to stay there. And that served great because as soon as we left Newfoundland, we found pockets of young people like us who had no jobs, especially with the cod moratorium. It wasn't that we were all going to be fishermen, but that was 90% of our economy. So when that failed, everything failed. So all the jobs went away, and that triggered a huge diaspora out-migration in the early 90s, and we were kind of part of that. But it was great because all the universities we played at, they were full of Newfoundlanders trying to get their degrees and get jobs. And we're like salmon. We always tend to swim back home, but We're not afraid to go out and go where the work is and do what needs to be done to survive. One thing about Newfoundlanders is they're very generous and welcoming, wear their heart on their sleeve. And as a member of Great Big Sea and now as a solo artist, you've been involved in a number of fundraising and advocacy programs using what you have to help others. I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. Myself and my wife, Andrea, wrote a book about our experience together called One Good Reason. And uh, people drink and use drugs for reasons. And that was mine. I wasn't facing it for a long time, but I've been sober now 11 years and I've tried to apply myself and share my story with people who are willing to listen. And what I have learned is that a lot of people don't want to hear this stuff, but it's important that we do know it's there. And a lot of people are afraid to talk about it, but I'm doing my best to change that because one thing I believe is that a secret can kill you. And there's only one way to defeat secrets and that's to share them. I'm trying to make up for some lost time. I didn't do a whole lot of proactive stuff like this when I was drinking, but I try to contribute where I can and help where I can for sure. What message would you like to share with those who are still struggling with mental health issues and may not yet be in that place of recovery? The first thing is you're not alone. It might feel like that, but there's so many people 
sadly to say, but you can take some comfort in the fact that whatever's affecting you is affecting someone else. So it's not like just you, and that's a mistake we tend to make. And there's also far more places to reach out to now to talk to people about your problems, like the child advocacy centers that I've been involved with. When I had issues, I was sexually abused by a priest. And literally the people you'd go to talk to about that kind of stuff back in the day were the priests. They were your guidance counselors. But there's more options now. There's places you can go. And I think that's a good thing. People ask me how I managed to stay sober, and I just never gave up. A perseverance does pay off. As many as a day, you'll feel like giving up. But if you just don't, if you just get through that day, then tomorrow could be a better day. And a week down the road, you'll forget about today. Your solo album, Help Yourself, has been praised for its emotional storytelling. How did you approach writing and recording that album? And was it different from previous work that you had done? Oh, yeah. The Great Big Sea stuff was anthemic, sing-along. Mostly, we were Canada's favorite party band. We literally sang about drinking. We <laughs> made no bones about it. And we made a great living at that. It was a hard job to leave for that purpose, but I had no choice. I was done. The Help Yourself was me using music to get into the reasons why. Like I said, people drink and use drugs for reasons. Well, that was me using music to self-analyze and to vocalize a truth that was just really too hard for me to say. And uh, like I told my mom what happened to me in the song, Hold Me Mother. So this was a different Sean McCann that evolved out of Great Big Sea that people probably didn't expect, but it did resonate with a lot of people. And it was refreshing, almost slap in the face to some people. Like it was just, wow, this guy is spilling his guts here. Like he's opened his heart for us. And you don't really see that. I look for artists who do that, who have a real emotional connection to their songs. And, uh, and again, I think it was an evolution. It didn't pre-exist in my songwriting, but... Once I got there, I, I've kept going in that direction because I think those songs have meaning, greater meaning. It's great to have party songs. I've written a ton of them. I'm proud of them, actually. They're well done. How many of them do you need? So I just kept going. I kept moving forward, and it sustained me. It sustained my recovery. Sean, can you give us a sneak peek into any new projects or music you have in the works? I haven't. I've stuck a pin in it here. I think I've. this will be 35 years of me in the business. This is the 30th anniversary of the band. I can honestly say that... The music business is truly screwed. It's really hard to find the motivation to sit down and write a song now and then go spend money recording it just to give it away. I think I'll continue doing work in the mental health recovery fields when people want me or need me. I'll continue doing concerts if people reach out. And I'll be the last man standing out there. I'll still be doing it. But I, I do realize now that the end is, as I believe, unavoidable. I was cruising your website and I noticed you have merchandise for sale. And I'm sure there's a story behind the coloring book, There's a Place. Tell me about that. That record was a very meditative, kind of chill. I was doing my yoga. It was really a cool campfire record, acoustic record, just about meditation, really. This is a few years back, and we had started to come to realize that digital addiction is a real thing. And I saw it in my own children and myself. Like, we're all addicted to our great new phones. They bring a lot of things to us, but they also give us all the answers. They made us lazy in many ways, but they are deliberately addictive. So when I did this, There's a Place, it was about trying to center us, center myself and center my family away from our digital addictions, which we all have. I don't think I was that successful, but I made an attempt. Uh, the power of the phone is huge. But the coloring book itself was an alternative. Here, my kids are like, what? I'll say, put your phone down. And they'll say, what will I do? I said, here, color this. Because I'm a terrible artist, but I'm a great colorer. I still love coloring. I'm 56. I'm not six. <laughs> the coloring book is a, was a great thing to take to the cabin and leave your phone turned off. 
in my mind. Do you color outside the lines, Sean? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I mean. That's the, all the best colorers do that. <laughs> also, when I was on your website looking at merchandise for sale, I figured there's a story behind shanty jammies. We're a family of pajama wearers. Like we come home and from whatever we're doing and after supper, we're quick to get our pajamas on and we light a fire or watch a movie or whatever, but we do it in pajamas. <laughs> so it was a thing and we were looking for a merch idea and I don't know who said pajamas because we, we do love our pajamas. We're like pajama people. And we said that could work because my audience are, according to Facebook, are mostly women age 45 to 54 and beyond and they wear pajamas. And the dudes are a little older. I think pajamas are the new cool thing to wear. My idea was to call them shanty panties, but uh, Andrea quashed that and said it was rude. <laughs> so I thought, I think we would have sold more if they were called shanty panties because then they sound more like lingerie to me, but they're not. They're just really, they're just pajamas. They're comfortable. I wear them all the time. I'd like to thank the shanty man, Sean McCann, for being with us on this edition of Today in BC. If you have suggestions or comments, Send a voice message to podcast at blackpress.ca. You may be part of our podcast mailbag segment. You'll find Today in BC podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. From hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels, westcoasttraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com.